0: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. We've been looking over uh, 2023, and there was one event uh, last year that was really worth taking note of. It was uh, December 14th, 2023, and it was a remarkable meeting of religious leaders from around the world uh, at Princeton University to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration. Of human rights. And one of those in attendance was Dr. Daniel Philpop, professor of political science at the University of Notre Dame, author of Religious Freedom in Islam The Fate of a Universal Human Right in the Muslim World Today. Dan's research focuses on religion and global politics, emphasizing reconciliation and religious freedom. He's uh, also organized a symposium of theologians, therapists, church leaders, lawyers, and survivors of abuse to discuss the church's ongoing response to the crisis, and I was privileged to be part of that uh, symposium. You can follow his work at arcoftheuniverse.info. Dan, good to have you here.
1: Thanks. Great to be with you once again, Al. So talk to me about this conference. Well, it, it was a remarkable event. Um, it was celebrating the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And that was in 1948. It was really the Magna Carta of the human rights movement. Right after World War II, um, a number of leading um, kind of diplomats from around the world gathered to ask, are there certain human rights which every human person is entitled to, which every government should be asked to embody. And a remarkable consensus was formed out of, in order to bring about this Universal Declaration of Human Rights. One of the remarkable things about it though, was the number of religious voices and religious leaders. Um, it brought together a consensus of Catholic, Protestant, Muslim, Confucian, Hindu, um, and that was essential for it to achieve the kind of global consensus around it. Well, fast forward to last uh, last month, and the effort was to have a kind of declaration by world religious leaders once again coming around endorsing human rights with the idea that they might remain prominent and globally um, of high stature in the next 75 years. And so there was a a day-long conference and a a wonderful declaration.
0: You know, we're living in, uh, in many ways, a different world today. Uh, Religion now is considered an enemy of human rights.
1: Yeah, that is very common in um, secular culture. Religion is considered particular. It is considered emotional, irrational, superstitious, yep. uh, as opposed to human rights, which are universal, rational, um, something for everyone. But in fact, it is religious. Uh, traditions which uphold the idea of there being an objective morality, a natural law yep. that we call it in the Catholic tradition. C.S. Lewis called it called it the Tao in yeah. his wonderful book, The Abolition of Man. And it, it tends to be uni- religions which says that there is a God or a universal higher being in which, um, you know, a kind of universal morality re- resides or subsists. And actually forms the basis for the kind of universal obligations and human dignity. Some of the basic ingredients for human rights.
0: Yeah, yeah. This it, this was remarkable. I when when the Universal Declaration was put together, there was surprising unanimity about the rights uh, that people could uh, sign on for, um, even though they had. M- Disagreements about how to justify those rights.
1: Yes, so that, that's right. Yes, the, um, the famous Catholic natural law philosopher who was involved in the the process as an intellectual, Jacques Maritain, mm-hmm. uh, made a famous quip where he said, "We agree on the rights, but but just don't ask us why." <laughs> In other words, a number of intellectuals from a number of different traditions came together and agreed on this common declaration of human rights, yet did so from different religious and yeah. philosophical positions. Yeah. And the important thing was that they would agree to the, the document, to this um, to this agreement, um, rather than that we would have to work out one common philosophical justification.
0: Right. And
1: right. I think he had an important insight. Yet, at the same time, I would argue that, whereas that's true, nevertheless, certain ingredients are ne- nevertheless necessary for human rights. Mm-hmm. I would say one of them is natural law, yes. the idea that there is a commonly shared morality, um, that I would say human dignity, the idea that the human being has uh, irreducible precious worth and value. And without those things, I think it's, it's hard to get human rights. Yeah. Did
0: you get a chance to uh, make a presentation at this conference on December 14th?
1: Well, I did. A number of people around the table made uh, short presentations, and I was looking at the question of um, whether religions can change in order to become, um, you know, supporters of, of universal human oh. rights. Yeah. And I looked at the, ca- the the Catholic case of religious freedom, whereas the Catholic Church came to espouse um, the human right of religious freedom in Dignitatis Humanae, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the documents of the Second Vatican Council, and um, in a sense changed, but changed in a way that I think um, evolved out of what the Church has always believed and taught. Um, It uh, purified and deepened and... um, kind of reaffirmed some the uh, long standing teachings teachings that are embedded in revelation but yes. clarified that they mean um uh, the right of uh, religious freedom for every human being yes and so uh i kind of um had uh islam in mind because um i think that uh, yeah we might hope for a similar evolution in islam yes. towards uh You know, a a strong and wide affirmation of religious freedom, of equal citizenship, and um, which uh, would be important for Islam to be fully a part of the human rights consensus.
0: Yeah, and in the Catholic experience, we we go back to the data of the New Testament, and then we go back to the first few hundred years of our existence, where we were a persecuted minority, implicitly, you know, uh, calling for religious liberty. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, You know? And then we had
1: people... right.
0: We had teachers like Lactantius and others yes. who made explicit... St- I think Tertullian also made explicit yes, reference right. to religious yes. liberty. Um, and we had, to, again, go back and remine our own tradition uh, to recover uh, that emphasis. What's your... Yes. When you look at the uh, Muslim world today, uh, where do you see the best... Uh, options for this n- evolution, you might say.
1: Well, and at, at, in, in fact, at our conference, at this day-long seminar, we had one of the most remarkable Muslim um, influences for human rights. Um, uh, it goes by the name of uh, Pak Yahya, or uh, Yahya Cholil Stakouf, who is the general secretary of an organization in Indonesia Mm -hmm. called the Nalatul Ulama. Most listeners probably haven't heard of it. You're much more likely to have heard of something like the Muslim Brotherhood or something. But in fact, Nalatul Ulama of Indonesia is the largest Muslim organization of any kind in the world. Some 90 million people belong to it. And it's not exactly a political party, but it's a broad social movement, and it does espouse certain values and commitments. And one of these is tolerance for people of all religions. It's actually a strong proponent of religious freedom for everyone. And... um, to have such a large organization, the, the world's largest Muslim organization, espouse this is something that could have a great influence.
0: It's interesting. And part
1: of the mission of the organizers of the conference is to lift up uh Yahya's voice, lift up Nadal Tula Lama, and let this be an influence on, on the whole world.
0: Now, this uh, I've, I've often heard that the Indonesia is one of the best places to look, to see what might be the next step for uh, Islam when it comes to this question of uh, human rights and religious uh, freedom. Uh, to, is it, is it the, the fact that it's coming from Indonesia makes me wonder if there's some big difference between uh, Indonesia and the Muslim
1: nations of the Middle East, which are often Arab. Yes, yeah. yes. It is often said that it is the Middle Eastern um, nations, um, Saudi Arabia, and maybe Iran as the leader of the Shiites, Mm -hmm. who are basically calling the shots for Islam. Um, This is magisterial Islam, where Saudi Arabia is where you have Mecca, and um, it is sort of seen as the center where the word goes out. Well, in fact, um, Indonesia is very important. It is the world's largest um, Muslim country, the world's largest Muslim democracy, and you know, Islam doesn't have a pope. And, you know, there's no reason why um, Indonesia shouldn't speak um, just as loudly. And if the world would be willing to hear that, you know, allow them to take leadership rather than just always um, simply deferring to um, Saudi Arabia, and uh, then I think this could uh, have a remarkable influence.
0: Uh, let me ask about China. Uh, there we have a situation, again, huge nation, uh, highly developed uh, political uh, organization there, the Communist Party, uh, that seems to regard the Western emphasis on human rights as, you know, not in keeping with their own Chinese tradition. Uh, did anybody speak to that?
1: Well, um, uh, only a little bit, Um and uh, China is certainly one of the uh, worrying places for um, uh, international uh, human rights. And um, in the last 10 years, it has really, things have really gotten worse on right. the religious freedom front, yeah. both with, with respect to Uyghur Muslims and with respect to Christians. Um, and so it is one of the worrying places. There, though, I think um, uh, as much a problem for human rights as you know, their traditional culture is the communist government which it still is communist. Right. It may be that it has adopted different forms of capitalism and so on, but communist ideology still rules the roost. And I think one of the reasons why it finds religion threatening is because it threatens the legitimacy structure of the regime. And um, so I think it is a much more brutal uh, kind of effort for communist leaders to hold power that really lies behind um, the... uh, you know the increasingly brutal uh, human rights violations yeah yeah
0: uh, after a conference like this uh are are there any follow up uh, events or uh, attempts to influence?
1: Yes. Well, first of all, there was a communique that just came out of the common, uh, the religious leaders in the conference uh, put out a statement of religious support for human rights, the Ah. R-20 Princeton Declaration. And uh, that is very important. Also, the Center for Shared Civilizational Values, who organized the event, will be continuing to get the word out on religion and human rights.
0: Very good. Dan, thanks so much for joining me today. uh, Thank you,
1: Al. Always wonderful. Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year. Again, Dan Philpott, uh, again, Professor of Political Science at the University of Notre Dame. We'll have that information in the Crest to Guest Archive.